Alrighty, Pints and Popcorn podcast coming up real soon for you. Just a real quick jump in here from me to uh, just warn you that obviously this is a spoilery chat about Midsommar. Uh, I didn't neglect to actually mention that at the forefront of mine and Shay's chat, so I just wanted to let that let put that in here now uh, just so everyone knows. So let's get into it. All right, Shay, I'm going to a uh, Midsommar festival in uh, Sweden. You, uh, you want to come along? So we're just going to ignore the bear then? Dude, it's a, it, it's a bear. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, to I do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> <laughs> Have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. <sighs> what am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you've invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. the pints and popcorn pod back with you for another week uh didn't fuck up the uh pnp and p theory as much as I did last <laughs> week uh <laughs> i don't even remember that one so we're good <laughs> uh shay on the line again with his beers beers stand on brand pints pints yep yeah <laughs> one pot will actually have to get some popcorn with me but that's more when i'm actually watching a movie so um, and you know, drink, you know, eating popcorn on a podcast probably isn't very conducive to sound quality. Just be no, I prefer you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like just for uh, the for audio. Like I just remember Kevin Durant eating like chips and pretzels on Simmons Pod. Yeah. Like, no one wants to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. And popcorn's no. a loud food. It is, and then I end up having to pick like the stuff out of my teeth half the time as well, and that's just not good sound. Um, so then you're just offending me audibly and um, through. 
Uh, yeah. So today we're. Um, I finally got Shay. Shay's been wanting to watch this film for a while, I think. But uh, it's one that I've always said isn't going to be an easy one. You want to be in the right mindset. Uh, but we finally got Shay to watch Midsommar, um, Ari Aster's second film after Hereditary, which you also ended up watching over the weekend. True. Just a solid. And I will reference both of them. Yeah, a solid Ari Aster weekend for you. So yeah, Midsommar's. Uh, Midsommar is Ari Aster's 2019 film, which is a follow-up to the Hereditary from the year before. So we're going to talk about Midsommar today because it's one of the uh, great... You can, it's not exactly a horror, traditional horror movie. He calls it... Aster himself refers to it as a breakup movie wrapped in the cloth of... <laughs> wrapped in the cloth of a folk horror fairy tale. Um, he really has said yeah. that while Hereditary was... A, he very much considers a horror movie. This one's a little bit more uh, not in the horror vein, but it certainly has its horrific elements. But... Certainly one of the most uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, to- one of the most talked about films in certainly in the horror community and 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 more you know people that really get into watching different films and certainly saw this one last year and it divided a lot of opinion. Um, I, I'm certainly a lover of it and I think you are too. But we're going to talk about it yeah. all today. So um, yeah, I just want to get you since you have I've now watched it I think four times, uh, including I watched it theatrically first and then uh, the subsequent three times I've had the director's cut here. Um, you've watched the theatrical cut, so we'll certainly have some... Uh, I'll bring some stuff in from different moments from the director's cut as we talk about it because there is certain... Um, it doesn't change the... certainly doesn't change the experience. It more just uh, fleshes out some certain parts of the characters in particular between Denny and Christian, which, um, yeah, we'll talk about the... Uh, Who's the who's the real victim? Because it's an interesting part of the internet dialogue was uh oh Christian's a real victim, which um if you watch director's cut it just makes turns him into even more of an asshole and, and cuts that cuts that talk right off. But we'll we'll talk about it. But your uh you it's fresh in your mind, your first viewing, and um <laughs> I will share with the listeners that your first text to me after you finished watching it was something along the lines of what the actual fuck. Which was yeah. exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> I think I sent that about Hereditary too quite a few times. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> I do think this is a better film than Hereditary, but that's not what we're really talking about. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But it's just something I haven't been able to take my mind off of since I've seen it a couple nights ago. And um, even after watching Hereditary, which obviously really takes over your brain a little bit and definitely distracts you. But like today when I was like thinking about like it would just pop into my head. Uh, about Midsommar and about just like how just I, I, I can't even like really put my finger on it which is not good for this podcast <laughs> but how surprised I was by it I guess and just how layered it is for what the idea behind it is I guess I, I there's so much going on in it and so much symbolism that you kind of like you forget about the ultra violence and stuff of people jumping off cliffs and people having a blood eagle done to them and <laughs> things of that. <laughs> that's not what that's not what sticks with you. What sticks with you is like the idea, like honestly, about relationships and what those mean, and like even friendships and being friends with your friends' girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, and what that means. Just relationships, really. Um, it, it it's obviously a surreal setting and a surreal outcome, but it is such a such a movie about relationships in the end. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the way the film was developed was um, I think it's B Real Films, which is a Swedish production company, went to Aster and 
I think they asked him to make a Swedish slasher movie, and he kind of just half said no because he just didn't couldn't find a way into how to how to make that. But then he was also going through a rough breakup at the time. Um, I've listened to him interviewed on pods, and he said he's he said they kind of broke up, then got back together, and then properly broke up, and haven't really talked since. And he's he kind of chuckled and said. I hope you like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's very you know, it's very obvious of dating an artist, I guess. <laughs> it's very <laughs> obviously about a certain relationship that he went through and he's been very open in talking about how this is this was just catharsis for him at the time. He just wrote a movie about his own yeah, feeling. He says he very much put himself and his emotions into Denny, so Denny's kind of, you know, the avatar for his experience. Um and so it is that that is what makes I think so much of the heart of the movie uh, is that it, it is so deeply rooted in a personal experience. You know, we can talk about. I love horror movies and all sorts of horror movies, and a lot of you know a lot of the real famous ones are just slasher movies that that do that do actually talk about certain cultural things, but not they more about you know you know sex and drugs and whatnot. If you're talking about the eighties. Uh, Friday the 13th and whatever, but this is a one that was marked. Everyone who'd seen Hereditary thought they were going to see another um, horror movie, probably in that vein, and that so that's why this one caught some people off guard because and Hereditary underneath it all is is about grief as well. But um, this movie was uh, even less didn't lean nearly as much on you know the the dark corners jump scare kind of thing that Hereditary did so well. Um, and I'm not I mean jump scares in the most positive way because they really did make you your skin crawl at times this movie was more about the horror of the experience it just crept under your skin slowly over the two and a half hours you never really had a moment where um you you're uh, being jumped at it's just you're uh, you're just getting slowly you slowly wrap yourself into this movie like i can't we can talk um you know our first pod last week we talked about once upon a time in hollywood how the the running time was really beneficial in in just enveloping you in in the uh, the world that it's building, and that's what Midsummer does too. Is is you you're just slowly brought in. You slowly just keep getting more and more into this world, and by the end of the movie, you realize you've been completely wrapped up by it, and and that's what makes your skin crawl a little bit about the whole experience. There's no particular imagery. Some of the some of the imagery of the um, the Atastupan uh, sacrificial suicide and the and the blood eagle that you mentioned, which we'll talk about more later, and and some of the other deaths are really horrific imagery, um, quite realistic. And but that doesn't make you. It, it's horrifying to see, but it's more just the whole experience of the movie and the and the bad relationship dynamics and and all that, that that's going on is what really horrifies you by the end of the movie. And that's what sticks with you and why you think about it for days after because you're not exactly sure why it's horrified you, but it's just gotten under your skin. Yeah, and when you really break it down into what it is is it it's the main character going through grief and not getting the support that she like needs from anybody and obviously her whole family's dead that happens right away and she doesn't really trust her boyfriend and his friends don't care about her so she has no support in this entire world and even as fucked up as that cult is out there like they were there to support her more than anybody in her real I say real life, like in quotes, like her mm. life back in the States, like not on a cult farm in Sweden, but it's just like, it goes to show you when somebody's going through grief, like if you have like toxicity around you, like you'll reach out and hope that anybody can help you, I guess at that point. And I think we talked about gaslighting, um, 
mm-hmm. when I was watching it, and it's like that's clearly what happened. But was it really gaslighting? Because it felt like those people actually cared about Danny in the end. Yeah, well, certainly gaslighting on Christian's part and his friends to a lesser extent were um, enablers of that kind of behavior as well. Because you, yeah, that just. Um, Speaking of horrific imagery, I didn't even bring up like the start of that movie is intense. <laughs> it yeah. is unreal. Um, uh, the uh, the imagery of, I mean, what struck me on rewatch. Um, there's a couple of things. The only time I jump every time I watch this movie is when there's that. You know, it, they show the mural um, at the start of the film, which essentially tells you the whole storyline more or less. And then that that lo- those like little wooden doors open, and it's a snowy. Um, right yeah and really st- and there's that beautiful like swedish like just the the voice in the background um just singing mm-hmm. and then it suddenly snaps the phone ring in and every time i know it's coming and i jump every time <laughs> it's just such a it's a great sound cut editing like yeah. just right there which is um and just jumps you straight into this actual modern dark cold wintry stateside thing which is a very good contrast with what we see for most of the rest of the film after that but yeah the um Obviously, Danny's like we we jumped to Danny and she's uh having some phone calls with friends and Christian about her sister um uh sending an ominous email and not responding and you know Christian's kind of like you know you know you worry too much and yada 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 and you know she's like yeah yeah maybe I do and you know he's, you can already see a little bit of how unempathetic he is to to the situation you know and. uh and then the friend says, you know, and then she's on the phone with a friend and she's saying, you know, I, I, maybe that's my fault. I'll lean on him too much. And and the friend says, well, that's what he's there for, which is, you know, it's true. Like if you're in a relationship, it's the, um, they're not married, but it's the, you know, to, you know in sickness and in health, a part of the marriage, the marriage whole thing is like, you know, when you go into a relationship, you certainly, you, you do still have to kind of contend with those, you know, sickness isn't just like physical sickness. It's, you know, anxiety and all those things that go on with, uh, people like that and you know she's certainly got some anxiety going on with her family issues and and certainly with her um, relationship issues as well and then we obviously find out that the uh, sister has actually she gets the phone call um that and then that scene that goes from when she gets the phone call and there's that music that really good orchestral music where it's just a slow slow ride from the the fireman turning off the car and then you, the camera pans down to the exhaust pipes you see the hoses out of them and then it kind of just they slowly go up the stairs and go past the sister's room where you can see her dead and they have the the thing taped to her which i think you sent a snap of that saying what the fuck like again yeah. there was a lot of what the fucks when you were watching this for the first time which i was really it was really fun to be a part of like your first experience in that way um, <laughs> yeah and then obviously seeing well, that was the first one for sure yeah seeing the parents dead in the room and you realize like this this trauma is going to and then the first part of like Florence Pugh's just amazing performance from the entire movie was her just like when she calls Christian and is like crying and then they show the scene of her just cradled in his arms, just completely, you know, in complete emotional agony. Like th- those real cries where it's so, you're almost like out of breath, but you still can't stop crying. Um, and Christian's just like, just dumbfounded, just holding her, which is a great contrast with later in the movie when she's... um. Uh, when the Hargas are around her crying with her, um, which is a part of the empathy versus apathy part that I will get into about this movie. Um, and then it goes like the camera just goes over them out the window and it says A24 presents and you're like, holy fuck, I've just seen the start of this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time that catches me and I'm like, that is a perfect prologue to the, how the film is going to be. 
Um, a- aesthetically, it's completely different because it's dark and cold and wintry, but it does it does provide a great start to the movie. And you realize, like, I, I always watch that, and when it goes to, you know, the, the credits start rolling at the start of the film there, I'm like, holy shit, I've just seen a great short film, let alone what else, whatever else I'm going to see after this. It really sets it up well that you're, again, like Hereditary, has um, some moments which I won't mention specifically, but you realize you're in for a movie that isn't going to hold back as far as anything can happen. Yeah. Um, I guess this brings up my first question for you mm-hmm. regarding the movie as someone who's seen it a few more times. I mean, I read a lot about it after watching it, but there's still some some gray areas, obviously, and they were left that way on purpose. But yeah. uh, so So who do we think was responsible for the deaths of the of her family in the first place yeah there's the there's a theory out there that um pele who was is a mate the character that we'll get into more but he's um he's one of the hagas from uh, from the this swedish cult i guess you could call them or society <laughs> cult sounds it is it probably is, go yeah cult <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but he's he's studying over in the u.s with um and friends with christian josh and mark which christian being denny's boyfriend and and Josh and Mark being two of the cohorts there that um, all of these guys end up going on this trip. But yeah, there is the the theory out there that Pele had some kind of uh, part in it. But then, you know... Such or the a, cult did, at least. Yeah. There is the backstory to the fact that, you know, Christian says on the phone, she does this all the time. So obviously her sister's been dealing with some, you know, she's bipolar and dealing with some um, mental health issues for a long time. So I think that's just, what was going to happen anyway um you know if she's if she's the i i certainly think that um it is an interesting theory though i like i'm not 100 percent either way because until until the director uh, well the writer in particular tells you exactly what they had in their mind you'll never know and you know they like to leave it ambiguous for us to have these discussions um I never thought well, of it. So I never thought questions. of it. I never thought of it that way until I saw the theory, though. So I always just thought it was just a more of an opportunistic thing. That because then after that, it's still going to take. It still takes Christian to invite her on the trip to get Denny over there. Um, and then and then if you're going into that sense of thinking that that all this stuff was preordained, all this stuff was Pele's doing, then 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 you're going into another realm of there's a lot of supernatural preordained things going on, which certainly um, his previous movie had a bit of that going on too. So. Yeah, I guess. Well, and I, yeah, there's definitely some scenes where I think that's happening, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it a little bit, and I'll get into it later because I do think that Danny resembles the um, villager or cult. Uh, the old lady throws herself off the cliff. I think they look alike, and there's this moment before she jumps off the cliff where Danny's like, like almost like foreseeing her own life. I feel like upon like thinking about it, because she's like. She knows she's going to jump before anybody, like any of the Americans do. Mm-hmm. So, or the English, I guess, if you want to throw that. Any of the non-villagers, like... The outsiders. I don't know. They just kind of like almost look alike, too. Like, I feel like he cast them that way on purpose. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my head. But just, that just seems like such a weird way for, like, even somebody with bipolar to, like, do a murder-suicide. Is mm-hmm. tape a, like... I don't know. Maybe that's just the dark mind of Ari, but <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a weird, I don't know, but she was emailing her, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so like, if it, if somebody was killing her, killing her in the family, she probably would have said something along the lines of like, help me. I'm, I'm dying rather than just everything's getting so black or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
Because then if they, if Pele had had a hand in it, like, and you know, the timelines timeline is an interesting thing, but he was hanging out with Christian then that night. Um, so you're talking about a bigger conspiracy there is other people that are part of the um, cult being involved or, um, and I just don't think that that's sophisticated. They're just, they've, they've got their simple, they've certainly got a sophistication to their um, society um, in, in, in their land where they're living. But as far as everything else goes, I just don't think there's like a global network of these guys. You know, they're just, they're just being opportunistic and bringing outsiders back where they can find them. I think, you know, it's a, and it's not going to be hard. You know, he knows that if he goes and finds the right people that they're going to be interested in. And he found the anthropological students and, and got them. Well, yeah, I don't think, I don't know what Mark was doing, but, um, he's, uh, certainly intellectually seems different than the rest of them. But yeah, he found the, he found the outsiders that were going to be interested in something like this. Certainly Mark was interested in the more, uh, uh, sexual opportunities that were involved in it and then the other t- you know josh was very much involved uh interested in the anthropo- anthropological study that he could possibly do while he was there for it and um and christian was somewhere in between um certainly both interested in the sexual opportunities as well as <laughs> as well as maybe finding a thesis which we'll get into after as well but yeah i think it was more just pele was very uh cunning um in finding the right people involved and then denny just you know just kind of fell into his lap he certainly liked her and whether he was whether he was influencing their think the other guys thinking trying to influence christian into getting her to come on the trip that's certainly possible i think um because when they're having the conversation at the party afterwards um where denny suddenly finds out that they're going on this trip you can kind of see pele is just watching her the whole time watching her reaction to this conversation and you can see that he's kind of the the motor motor's ticking in his brain trying to get because he he's certainly attracted to her as well um uh, Swedish love the, the white blonde girls, white, white blonde pretty girls, I guess. Um, so, um, you know, you can talk about the Vikings bringing about the pretty girls, which they they mentioned. Right. They mentioned that as they're driving there too. Um, they certainly say they brought all the prettiest girls back when they raided and pillaged other lands. So, um, whether that was an intentional part of the writing or it's just a coincidence that she's um, that he's kind of looking at her that way, but uh, yeah, I don't. I think it's more my line of thinking is I'm certainly not against the idea that. Pele and and the Hargis hadn't had an involvement in the death and were like you know preordaining all this stuff to happen, um, but my line of thinking generally just more resides with just a, a happy coincidence and Pele was opportunistic and and once he saw a kind of like an opportunity open he kind of pressed at it you know what I mean? Yeah, there's also the theory that her parents used to be in the cult and that's why you've been <laughs> and deep, they broke you've been free. deep on deep on the Reddit avenue. I like this is why it's good having you on the pod because I don't I just don't deep dive into Reddit enough. Well, yeah, and I don't believe most of it, but it does like at least inter- like it's like, good. It's good. I just good thoughts, like cereal for um just thinking about what could even if it's not doesn't have much basis to it. Um, having the uh, just just opening up your mind to think about different avenues of of understanding the film. Well, I'm just so curious why her whole family is like seen after she becomes the May Queen while she's like hallucinating, and they all seem disappointed in her. Or the dad seems okay. Boom. It's happening. But... (laughs) (laughs) um, um, Yeah, like, everybody but the dad seems disappointed in her um, when she's crowned the May Queen. So, and I don't know if that's just her hallucinating and maybe her, like, getting past them and onto her new family. Yeah, we can... Maybe maybe her family wasn't as... 
uh, obviously her sister had her issues and, you know, she her issues at the start of the film seem to be that she doesn't really have anyone that she feels comfortable leaning on, including her family maybe. Um, you know, she's ringing her parents saying, you know, I'm just worried about uh, worried about Ter- Terry, I think was her sister's name. Um, and, you know, she seems very isolated in her... She's in the, the dark apartment trying to email or contact Terry, trying to call the parents. Um, she's on the phone to Christian, who's not really... You know, he's kind of just, like, trying to blow it off because he wants to hang out with his buddies. She's on the phone with a friend, but not, all these people are never shown on screen. It's just her on the phone, and it's making you realize that she she's feeling quite isolated and doesn't really have anyone that she trusts to lean on, including her boyfriend of three and a half slash four years, depending on whose memory you remember. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe it's just that her parent, she wasn't that close with her family, maybe. You know, not in the sense that she was um, estranged, but just, you know, in that, you know, just had an apathetic family relationship maybe not on her part but just they didn't quite get each other maybe um she certainly must have been close enough to her sister that she emailed in that sense that her sister was but there was maybe it was probably fractitious considering the fact that her sister was had such mental health issues i think they were probably close but i think like the point of those scenes now that i'm thinking about it and like when they're carrying her on like the platform and in the trees you can see her sister jesus that's a good image (laughs) Yeah, you can see it, and it's her being, like, moved past that Mm -hmm. with the strength of the community around her. So maybe it's just, like, showing that, you know, it's just her moving past it. I don't know. I think that's movie has more questions than answers. Yeah. It's one that's going to be, like, it's one of those ones that film students will study for a long time, kind of, and have different opinions on it. It will certainly... Uh, it become more like a lot of people will kind of figure it out as the years go on but it, unless writers come out and say explicitly what they're going for there's always an ambiguity to things like this because and that's certainly intentional too because they want you to you know when movies finish like the way that ones like this do as well it's certainly left open to interpretation and you know it's it's wonderful to have the opportunity to sit here and interpret it with a couple of pints as we're going um how do you feel about Christian at the start of the movie? Um, do you certainly get, do you do you immediately get like when you were watching it for the first time immediately start because I, I don't think I tried to I didn't mention anything about how characters work in this movie too much I don't think in our discussions before I certainly tried to leave it as unspoiled as possible for you to go in and just experience it and you know without the outside. I think he just like kind of comes across as like your average like guy in his early twenties who's pretty aloof about like pretty into himself like all those guys are in Mm. that at the start and i think the scene that really shows it is when like you know and it is a hard position to be in like if your girlfriend's you know family was just murdered in a horrific way and your girlfriend's like wailing and you're just kind of there Mm. i mean at least he's there for her but it looks like it kind of annoys him so it's like I don't know. It just kind of puts a weird taste in your mouth at first. And just like, you kind of think of him as a dumbass. And I think he never, like that never gets fixed throughout. <laughs> it's just like, it gets worse and worse kind of. So. Yeah. I mean, that's I, essentially where I was too. The first viewing, you know, just very quickly, it seems to be established that this guy, he certainly wants out. I mean, the first time we see him in that diner, um, he's, in the middle of a discussion about, you know, but what, it, I think it's almost starts with the line, but what if I want her back? What if I'm, you know, what if I make That's exactly what he's, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, 
if you're in that position, it's just like you, you're certainly you're using you're holding on to her to use her for yourself. Like he's certainly he's going straight into that conversation thinking about what's this going to mean for me rather than her as well. So he's certainly thinking right. coming at it from a selfish point of view. Um, his friends are typically uh, college broish about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Josh is a little bit more restrained in his discussion about it, but Mark's very open about saying, you know, you you know, when the waitress gives him that little look, he says, "You could be impregnating her right now," which is um, right. Great, great <laughs> foreshadowing to the future of the movie as well. Right. <laughs> Especially when Pele says, "Well, think about all the Swedish girls you can impregnate as well." Um, but he does. Yeah, the entire conversation kind of shows both. Um, they're never talking about denny in this situation they're talking about christian and what everything's going to mean to him um yeah yeah i think that's true to life though yeah. which I is think, what we I've, yeah. I have had plenty of conversation with friends about relationships and whatnot and you're you always when you're talking about it with them you come at it from their point of view but it certainly it certainly does show, like christian's own comments about it are very uh very crass about how he how he feels about it you know what if i make a mistake what if i want to back later it's like well you know you then then you try to win it back you know you don't just hold on to something and you know for perpetuity just in case you know and it's just it very very much shows his attitude about um his i think his selfishness and early on in the film right and it also kind of like all of his friends not really liking Danny or like being put off by her other than Pele like that kind of speaks to how he's probably kind of a dick mm-hmm. <laughs> like probably doesn't talk very nice about her and you know, they, they all want him out of the relationship. So it's just kind of like this, you know, toxic, like ideology around her, which is, you know, leads to all of their demise. But another question I had, like, just this conversation, like, kind of brought me to it is what made them, like, want Danny to be the queen? And if she isn't, this is a double question. <laughs> and if she wasn't made the queen, does she have a similar fate to all the other outsiders? Or is she like, because it seems like that whole, the whole cult really like convalesces to her right away. Mm-hmm. Like she's like a part of it right away. And I'm wondering what, what that's about. <laughs> well, they talk about wanting to keep bloodlines pretty pure as far as uh, the, you know, the look, I guess. And that's again, this, um, he is blonde. This, yeah. Um, yeah, and I've I've seen Arias like there's some talk like behind the movie is Ariaster has talked about um how S- Sweden in particular is um has got like far right movements over there and whatnot and he's he is subtly commenting about insular communities um how they develop and how their ideas can be warped by being so insular so but she's kind of they look at her and see she's the prototypical kind of person that they want in the th- in the society Pele certainly taken a liking to her very quickly. Um, and maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe it's just based in Pele. So, yeah. do you think then? And I think they, with, I think the rest of them see her as, as more like as someone who is. They they see her vulnerability early and say we can. Like, I think it's a very cunning thing that they do. Um, I certainly the women that are around her at certain times, the rune that's on them. I can't think. I don't have that. I didn't get that one noted down. The rune that's on them is something to do with cunning and and care. It's something to do with like that empowerment or something like that that they they are kind of helping her and they're very empathetic with her as well but they're also using using her to a certain end um which might be that she just becomes part of the which uh, you know we'll get to the end of the movie eventually but she my interpretation is she's going to become part of the huggers because they're the only family that she can have for good better or worse 
you know, they're certainly not perfect. Um, it's not like it's a happy ending in that sense, but it's where just where the it culminates for her. And to answer your question, I think, um, I think it was kind of like not that she was preordained to be that. It's just that they all saw La Pele certainly, like I said, he had his like for her and they saw her like, cause you see her as they invite her in to start prepping, helping with the cooking. And it's kind of like they're feeling her out. And then the May Queen thing just, you know, it's obviously a competition and she ends up standing at the end. I think it was rigged. So yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Like, that's not even a conspiracy. I think they did it on purpose. Yeah, no, it's definitely not a conspiracy. It's like when you brought that up to me, I was like, well, that's, that's true. Cause they could have just, I still think there's a lot of, certainly it, it has to happen right um and they've got to, the rest of them have got to be very uh very meticulous about what they're doing but there's a there's an argument to be had that it was rigged because all they have to do is just dance and dance and fall down in order so it's not necessarily rigged in that way that like oh this person's gonna fall down here and then this person's gonna fall down here it's just that she was going to win yeah yeah that's what yeah, i mean no that's what i mean like I, I just more mean somebody. i just more mean that they've got to watch out for it like because that thing goes on for hours and they've got to make sure one of them doesn't just tiredly bump into her and knock her down innocuously or know that she's not going not going to fall down either which i mean the, the influences of certain substances might have helped her out because they might have given her something that just keeps her going um because you know i'm thinking they i think i'm thinking they gave some of them like like some mushroom tea and stuff like that and they gave her the mushroom tea but that had like some sort of like upper in it or like obviously not a real like like a street drug but like some weird swedish thing <laughs> like yeah. swedish cult thing <laughs> that like maybe the stuff that they blew in um in christian's face later on um in that scene um that kind of keeps him going when he's all messed up but um yeah i like the entire time she has that that girl there helping her who's almost protecting her from the rest of everybody else mm -hmm. and that girl seems to not care when she loses like she's into it like yeah. she, she won she was fine with danny winning so but then that brings up another and like, ever and everyone does seem to celebrate danny winning at the end like when she's the last one standing and you know you can talk about their cult practices. I think they would have it no yeah. matter what. And but. I think and it's certainly part of the fact that they're all they're kind of it's a very symbiotic relationship like everyone kind of moves to the same pulse in that community you see them dancing yeah the hand thing and christian's just sitting there <laughs> like Ugh. um well dumb. yeah he drank like some like I, who knows what that was too yeah. like but i mean he had some interesting drinks throughout the movie the poor bastard um i have no, <laughs> yeah. I have no sympathy for him but yeah, yeah some of the texts i sent you during that will have to go um not talked about but uh <laughs> <laughs> um uh something you brought up that really like now sticks out because we were talking before we started potting um mm -hmm. about what what happened to simon and connie and why they died because everybody else we'll get into like kind of the the crux of the movie here now like when people start dying out and mm -hmm. the, the cult starts killing people and it and it's clear to see why mark dies he pisses on a sacred tree and he's just disrespectful of the culture from from the start it's clear to see um, why can't think of his name right now. A uh, Josh. Josh. Yeah. I get regular dude names mixed up so much. I can only can remember Mark or Josh. I can't remember Mark and Josh. But <laughs> Josh like obviously breaks the rules of, um, and we'll get to that later. I know you have some good points on that. But Connie and Simon don't really break any rules. Um, or or like deserve to die other than 
kind of like what you were talking about, like maybe Ari was making a point of like this Swedish cult trying to stay pure and both of both Simon and Connie were minorities in in the situation. Yeah. And- so maybe they could they didn't want them to procreate with them and the only way that they would let like the only way they could deal with them is to kill them then. Yeah, and I think it's it's partly just that they do need outsiders. So all these guys that go out in their little um because, I mean, part of, like, just a, the background of the culture is they believe in the four seasons um, of the pl- planetary cycle being also the four seasons of life. Um, I think it's 1 through 16 is your uh, spring phase. Uh, six, uh, 17 through 32 is summer. Um, uh, that's doing quick math. <laughs> 32 <laughs> through 54. Yeah, is, is your winter phase. And then uh, 33 through 50 is your winter phase. And then... Um, 58. No, 40. Fuck. 32 I'm to 58. Either way. This is terrible. I don't think the math <laughs> works out. I didn't work out the math very well. But either way, they, they <laughs> work out that basically you got, you got spring, summer, winter, fall is your, um, or autumn is your um, last phase of life. And then at 72, you uh, you knock yourself off. Um, so there is that um, part of, I'm, I've just completely forgotten where I was going with that in relation to the, the, the um well my whole point was like them like they wanted outsiders but they didn't like like connie and simon were minorities yeah like was... they weren't like like going back to your bloodline pure and maybe are you making a point about how like sweden is like kind of like that and how they are like mm-hmm. like really rough on minorities oh, yeah, so i was saying so, that i was doing the background for the winter summer thing because that's <laughs> when they send the guys out to go get them so the outsider right. thing is these guys are just meant to come go out and, and bring some of these guys back, I think, for this festival is part of their job um, is to do that. It's kind of like when you know people leave Amish communities and go have experiences and then come back, but they these guys bring people back and then they have to they know that these they know they need sacrifices for this festival. So right. I think they know that they need people either way. It doesn't matter who they are, and I think it's certainly those two were not going to be anything but sacrifices. Um, whereas, you know, Denny, they looked at as someone who could keep help keep their bloodline uh, pure in what they wanted. And then um, the other guys were just, you know, Christian wasn't even um, going certain to die until right at the end. So, um, Yeah, he could have stayed alive. Yeah. I mean, it was ultimately Danny's decision. So. Yeah. And his choices leading up to it made it made it very easy for us. So, yeah. I don't think... He- we can get to that too, and maybe we can talk about it right now. I don't think he was making any choices. They like set that up that that was going to happen. Like he wasn't making any choices. Oh, they he was. He was. Flower. He was though to a certain extent. I'm trying to think if the direct theatrical cut shows it ex- explicitly as. All right, so we'll talk about Christian right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right from the start of the movie, he's alu- he's half out, half in, half out of his relationship. So he's already. There's a certain sense of um, abuse uh, towards Denny in the in the mental respect of the relationship. He's he's going to Sweden. Not exactly sure why he's going. He's he's doing a PhD. Um, his friend is very very clear. Josh is very clear in his anthropological thesis that he's going there to study those cultures, and then he's he's planning to go to London, and Scotland afterwards, or something to get more aspect like because he's doing different summer traditions from these european cultures and then you've got mark who's just the fool and you got and then you got christian who's in between he's kind of like half going there honestly because of what mark's going there for which is to to bang swedish girls and then you got he's half going there because he is trying to do a phd in anthropology 
political studies as well from the sounds of it and he's just not exactly sure what he wants to do so he goes there with having that in the back of his mind even though he's bringing denny there is kind of really cruel to her because he knows he's kind of looking the whole time at what else is out there while she's there so that's a conscious decision of his that he's just doing that um and then throughout the movie but, he's making eyes at the girl and you know getting made you know he's yeah but they fed him they fed they fed him the pie and the drink that yeah. they show on the quilt so maybe so, like maybe that works i don't know man there's something <laughs> weird going on there like well okay i'll put it he's like i think i does ate it, her puke. yeah <laughs> <laughs> You and, did, and maybe it worked. And and the line but he even he's reluctant to do it, even even when he's all drugged. But they set it up. Yeah, I but mean, then the so does the so does the theatrical cut. You'll have to remind me. So I watched the director's cut. There's that moment in the room where he sits there with the elder lady, and he's like the picture of the bears behind her um, in that room. It's just her and him. Yes, that's in. Yeah, yeah. and she explicitly explains to him that you can do this. Um, it is a it is a cultural thing, and she even said, and he he kind of says, well, she says that you know this is going to be really good for your studies too. You can be a part of a, a of this cultural experience. Um, does that is that in the theatrical cut as deep? That conversation goes as deep as that? I don't think so. Yeah. So this conversation, but I could be wrong. Because that, that part, uh, that yeah. there's a very lengthy conversation where she kind of explicitly lays out exactly what they want him to do. And he's not drugged at the time, or at least he's been on. They've been on drugs the whole time, but he's still. But he doesn't agree to do it. He doesn't not. He he's been he's given the choice, and so every, so he's told explicitly what they want him to do, and he's given he's told that he's never told that. He, well, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, and then <laughs> like, and so then they bring the drink over during the the maypole dancing scene and whatnot. Right, because that's right after that. Yeah, like he leaves that meeting and while he they're do- doing the maypole. Yeah, and he does say, "Do I? I'm not sure if I want to drink this right now." And they say, "Oh no, you should drink it." And he still makes the conscious decision to drink it, knowing where all this is leading. Like he's all this stuff. They they are certainly influencing, but he's he's also being told exactly what's going to happen, and he's going with it. He could just say no at any time. But he half wants it as well, and that's well, the when thing. He's, that's why yeah. I mean he's half in, half out the whole movie. Whereas if he just yeah. if he actually just nutted up and did he's half in that yeah. bear costume, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's why fair. I think that's why I'm like don't have my sympathy for him ending up in the situation he does because he he does lead he does he's like I said he's half in, half out the whole time. He makes a decision on his thesis halfway through the movie because he just just decides while he's there he's going to do it. And then they explicitly explain all this stuff that's going to happen and what they want him to do, and they do give him the decision because he says, "Can you know?" He even says, "Can I can I experience it without actually doing it?" And she says, "No," because we're not going to let you just watch. But um, then it, then he kind of leaves the room, and it's kind of left left open like he's being allowed to make the decision, but also they're expecting him to do it, and they do influence him with all these drugs and whatnot. But he still he still makes a conscious decision because he knows after that explanation exactly what's going to happen if he keeps going down the road. And letting them influence him, so that's fair. I just think the drugs at play, like he's obviously they certainly are, but he's also been bad. Given, like he, yeah, the drugs he takes are more than anything else that's going on in that. And like, there's so much drug. There's so many like weird drugs in the movie. But what he's doing because like when the guy snaps and like his whole world goes, and he's like, why'd you do that? <laughs> like, it's like they're like they're. Um, gaslighting him into doing it almost like because I I don't know I I don't like Christian at all and I'm like 
I'm still, like, not completely sure why Danny chose him, but, um, until you see her smile at the end, but, I mean, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert, but if you get this far into this podcast without knowing what happened, then what are you doing? But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember the point I was going to bring up here after that, but yeah, so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just certainly think that he had a, he always had a choice throughout the movie, and because Danny goes to him at one point, and they have an argument, which I think is a director's cut thing again, where, um, yeah, is the argument about her her giving him the flowers in the theatrical cut, where he says like, you know, you shouldn't have given why are you giving me flowers, and she's like, I just wanted to give you flowers, and he's like, well, you you're making it so that I can never win because you always have to be better than me, and stuff like that i don't think that's in the theater yeah is that about the no yeah i don't think i, I remember that but that's, i remember her him flowers because yeah. it's at the, the flowers are at like the last meal of that couple but yeah yeah um but so and then she says i just want to leave like i just want to leave i just want to leave and he's just like well no I'm, I'm not i'm not leaving like he just basically says that's it that's not happening so the and the, he, he and at that point he's already seen kind of like the fact this maya chick that's there is kind of got eyes for him he knows like all this stuff is uh he gets hints oh about that's it. what i was gonna bring up. so we're like, meant to believe that's a like a young woman right like not she's like, like, legal yes yeah okay yeah, yeah that's what i thought she's she's i think it's told that, they make her look older later but like yeah. the first time you see her she's like looks like she's like 12 yeah so you're like all right they so all that uh, she's at least 15 because they mentioned that she's like from the age of 15 they're allowed to there's some line in there, I can't remember the exact line, but it's like she's she's been, she's had the, uh, whatever the ceremony is or whatever at 15 that she's allowed to, she's allowed to bang and, and get pregnant. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how old she's meant to be. They just say from the age of, it's something to do with the age of 15 that they're allowed to um, be involved in the procreation of their... Uh, their little 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 family there so yeah. a lot of pressure sexually yeah for a man that i don't think i could even i'm gonna stop <laughs> um yeah yeah i just think everything's everything from the, the movie very explicitly lays it and for christian he knows i think he knows straight away that she's got eyes for him and and if he had if he had more balls because it, it this i mean imagine like there's the part in the movie where the book gets stopped like josh disappears and they the guys say that this book's been stolen and christian with uh pele and and danny standing right next to him says we don't associate with him we have nothing to do with it we don't we don't not, like condone what he's well, done well him and josh were already kind of at odds though too. yeah but so like- to say that we don't associate with him he was talking about collaborating with half the time like to yeah he was yeah and they were, I mean, I'm not and they were friends. You, Christian when, was a good person. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, there's all these, there's all these signs leading up to it that he and he knew the whole time, especially when that lady explicitly lays out exactly what they want him to do, um, and then he still lets them give him the drink and and take it, and he knows that that little pathway of roses and whatever is leading to that room. Um, yeah, he's making. You can say the drugs have like have numbed his senses a little bit, but he's still making his own decisions to a certain extent, and and I just don't think leading he's like to. A- a bad guy. He's just an idiot. Oh he's yeah. Not a good, well, that's good, you can, we guy. can talk about the fact that you know all these guys aren't necessarily evil people. They're just people with um. They're selfish. There's like they're apathetic people to what, everything that's happening around them. Apart from they're what, all they're all driven by something else. And it's and it's like, pure, all, well, it's purely themselves. That's what I mean. Like my empathy versus apathy kind of argument about the, mo- the movie as a whole is 
the Hagas are certainly very brutal to certain people, but they're empathetic to their own their own family dynamic there within the within the cult um, area. Like anyone that's part of them, they they like I said, they experience things at the same time. The dancing is very fluid. They play the game. They watch Austin Powers. Which yeah, I still don't. I'm, like, we got to talk about that later. I don't, I don't get it. Look, it, like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you want to laugh, you watch Austin Powers. Well, do they have electricity? Yeah, I guess they must have somehow. I mean, generators are a thing. Like, they've got a truck there. They go in and out and get. They, That's you know, true. They're certainly not insular in the sense that they completely. Um, they just have their own traditions within their society that they they stand by but you know they're not insular to the outside influence of society i think that's yeah something i thought about when this isn't even on reddit or imdb but why they why he chose austin powers other than it obviously being like a a good laugh a good little laugh for the audience is that like maybe like the last you know outsiders that they killed like that's the last like one of them had that movie on them and that's like that's the newest movie they could get because they like killed, you know, the people they killed before. Yeah. The they, last time someone yeah. came with DVDs because everything's just on the laptop now. Yeah. Well, I just mean <laughs> like, I don't know. I imagine it being like a VHS tape. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like on a V, like, yeah. On yeah. a VCR, like on like a shitty 22 inch, like tube TV yeah. is how they're watching. Kind of like kids sitting around watching the moon landing back in the day. Basically, yeah. That <laughs> and like, how are those kids bringing? Like, how are those? Like, all of Austin Powers is cultural references. So, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> they probably laugh anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this the kind of knuckle down into the the empathy versus apathy thing. I think it's like the all those characters that die. Like Mark is doesn't give a shit about anything that's going on. Like, even, like, when he's explicitly told you just pissed on the ancestral tree, he kind of just goes, oh, like, he doesn't actually, gen- he's not genuinely sorry about it. He's just like, I need to piss. Like, whereas if I was pissing on an ancestral tree accidentally and someone told me, I'm like, I'll be, I'm so sorry. Like, because I... Even Depends if- how much you had been drinking. Because knowing you, you'd be like, well, fuck off, cunt. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, taking, I'm just having a piss. Yeah. I, I just mean, like, I... I I'm not like religious or anything like that, but I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deliberately piss someone off and let, like, if they're not, if they're not harming me. I don't think he deliberately did it. No, he didn't yeah, deliberately do it, but he does. He's not like, he's not showing any understanding for what, how important that is to them either. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go piss on a church and then be like, Oh, oh sorry. Like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be like, well, it's not my thing, but you know, these people are like, this is going to really upset them. Like it'd be kind of like someone pissed on, on the Anfield grass, you know, without knowing like that means a lot to me. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, yeah, hope. that's a, that's a goal. That's a dream <laughs> goal. <laughs> um, um, so like, it's just, a, it just shows like, it's just an example of a like complete lack of understanding. Cause he's just like, I just need a pit. It's just a tree. Like I didn't know, like, you know, and then he's just, he's going to die one way or the other. Yeah. Like he's going to like offend them by banging that, uh, that villager or that cult member or whatever yeah. that probably would have pissed him off. So, but all these, ex- all these examples are just filmmaking is just the, the technique to show us what these guys, the different reasons that these guys aren't actually nice. They're not, like you said, they're not bad people, but they're not nice people either. You know, Mark's just completely apathetic to any other culture and, anything anything going on around him apart from what he wants which is just to bang bang some ladies and then um josh's um apathy is just that even though he's completely fascinated by these cultures he doesn't actually respect them at all like 
he was explicitly told, trying to use it. Yeah, he he got like the, he had to talk them into just showing him the showing them showing him the books, um, and and so which that, are completely bullshit, by the way. I yeah, have to say like they're <laughs> nothing. They're like little symbols, and they're letting uh, letting the one dude just paint in it. And then, like, we interpret it. It's like he's sticking his hand in paint and putting it on a page. <laughs> Which, hey, like, whatever. But, oh, look. You know, religions all started somehow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 it is, but either it way. It's mirror seven in that way that, like, these people's biggest faults were their demise. Yeah. And it's not, there's not seven of them. There's, there's not seven deadly sins, but, like, lust looks probably. Yeah. Or just stupidity. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, his his, his thing was his thing was like head, he sh- he should know better as an anthropological s- student that culture is important to people, even if it's not your culture. He he should be more understanding than anyone of how important this thing is to him. But because he's so driven by his own his own uh, ambition, he doesn't actually care about it. So he's given a great opportunity just to look at the books and be talked to about them. And then he says, can I take pictures? And they say, no. So then he sneaks in later on to take pictures anyway. Like, yeah, that's just another example. And they're just trying to show examples of why. I think it's just Ari Aster's, uh, from a filmmaking and a writing point of view, he's trying to show why these these people are so self-insular about or so self-absorbed in comparison. It's just showing the bridge to the divide to how um, empathetic the Hagas are to everything. Even Even though they're not empathetic to certain things that are going on because they're just like, oh, yeah, they died, whatever. Um, they Their feelings and their emotions are shared among, amongst the group and we certainly see that with Denny when she's crying at the end. They they get in rhythm with her crying, which is the first time she's actually had someone cry with her because obviously Christian doesn't at the start. I think that's an important uh, distinction between the two. I think those two scenes are done very deliberately to contrast each other and show that Denny's finally being supported, but that's f- further down the movie. But yeah, as far as the guys go, you know, I think that's very important that we understand that the reasons they showed that was to show the dis- differences between their apathy to everything that's going on apart from what's happening to themselves versus the Hagas having the... Em- they they have empathy for Denny right from the start. Pele does. He draws the picture on her birthday and says, happy birthday, <coughs> and then obviously knows it's her birthday. Um, and then again, Denny says, you know, when he's she's like, oh, Christian forgot. Oh, it's my fault. I should have reminded him. It's like, no, you've been dating for that long. He should know it's your birthday. Um, so it's another example of her um, her blaming herself rather than when she doesn't actually need to, um, which is a part of her her issue she's going through. But yeah, the Huggers are empathetic to her right from the start and are empathetic to any, I think they're going to be to anyone that's kind of, they can mold into their, their and someone that's going to be a part of their society. Right, but they're also in some ways very evil because oh, yeah. society I mean, not unforgiving that. about yeah. a lot of a lot of stuff where maybe they should be forgiving but and who knows why they've killed people before but uh it's definitely <laughs> i don't know danny's really the only uh good guy in this but then she then she like ends up in the cult so it's like all right well whatever yeah i'm sure i'm missing something bigger <laughs> i always i always do but i mean <laughs> Yeah, well, we can get into a bit more about the the in depth nature of some of the symbolism because I've got a few notes on the runes and whatnot and the, just the overall uh, the things that were the little things that were in the movie um, that kind of lead us to down the line of it was all there for us from the start. But um, being like any any good movie, we're going to have an intermission now and um, 
give ourselves a break and uh, and we'll get back into it. It was after a quick it. hour. Yeah, it was. It's just a bit below an hour, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I just figured there was a good time because we were at a bit of a breaking point in getting into some of the other, some of the little details in the film that really just, um, you know, bring it full circle to everything that was going on. So a little intermission and then me and Shay will be back with you right after to talk more Midsummer. after our intermission all ready to go <laughs> we had a uh, we had a computer freeze in the intermission which was very fortuitous timing um because it's a lot easier to deal with when you're not recording anyway um but we'll, yeah. we'll power catching all the breaks these days right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're hoping that doesn't happen again we'll obviously work with it if it does but um yeah so hopefully no more intermissions but just be prepared if there is but we're back into <laughs> we're back into midsomar um a movie that's obviously from the first era of our chat is uh incredibly complex because it's just it's there's so many ways you can think about it and come into it and we've obviously seen that both of us are we kind of we've come at it from different angles at different points and does and it's the interesting part about this movie is that there is certain things that the filmmaker's trying to make you see you there's a lot of things that he's uh he's leaving open to interpretation as well so one thing that i've got in my notes that i just wanted to bring up to you I actually tweeted it at Ariasta once because I haven't seen it come up in any any chat. But the Four Seasons thing that I, I somewhat fumbled talking about before because I was trying to make another point at the same time. But um, there is the <laughs> obvious thing that their the culture believes in the Four Seasons of uh, being attributed to life as well. And once they hit seventy two, they have to, uh, uh, you know, co- uh, in their own life, make their own decision to do that uh, to keep the uh, the because they don't want to not have the decision to do it. I guess. Um, I find it interesting that the the little conversation where they were just near the start, where Connie and Connie and um, they they're still there. They ask uh, Christian and and Denny how long they've been dating, and Christian kind of goes, "Oh, three and a half years," and she says, and then she goes, "No, four years." And I find that like it's the four years thing. I'm not sure if there's any significance to it, but to me, with all the talk of seasons and and consciously ending your season after you've hit that point of life, that you know, which is the end of the fourth season, uh, the four-year relationship thing. And considering that they're in a relationship that's breaking down, I'm wondering if there's some significance to that as well. Um, I'm not sure if that had come up in your thinking at all, but I just thought it was another little sign of symbolism as to how everything was going to go throughout the movie. Um, maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but I thought it was significant considering how the movie ends with the end of the relationship. Um, but that was interesting because Christian's not quite... Christian's not quite there yet, and he's, but he's just, it's more that he just doesn't know. And whereas Denny's like very like, no, it's four years. And she's not realized, she kind of, I think she knows it's ending, but just isn't, hasn't come to the decision to actually do it yet either. But yeah, I found that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Yeah. I just thought it was just a plot device to show that like these two are just definitely not on the same page. Like, and he never shows like, That's certainly true any as well. insight. Yeah to why they like are ever they he never shows them ever on the same page or mm-hmm. why they're even interested in each other which is a you know going back to you talking about how he did it about <laughs> after a breakup 
and about a breakup like that it's some real some real <laughs> dark stuff right there when you're like when you're done with a relationship and you're like oh why was i ever with that other person and that's mm-hmm. kind of like he's showing that to us with that couple of like how like what what is there between these two because there's you he never shows it to you he mm-hmm. never shows you that there's any that there's any love between them even so yeah and um, again it's, it could be a theatrical versus director's cut but i think there's one of those arguments where she she explicitly says and i think it might be the one that's in the director's where she says do you even love me anymore and it's kind of just he just doesn't say anything <laughs> like i think i kind of remember that though. Yeah. i don't know and it's just i like, just know that yeah. yeah i just know there's like several hints at it of like when they say simon left and she goes oh you would do that to me yeah or like whatever so. And she kind of just says it without, and you can kind of see that they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> she's just like, I can see you doing that to me. And then he, then it's kind of like this, wait, what did you say? And she's like, no, nothing. Like, And they kind of just let it go. But yeah. Definitely had things like that said to me. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> 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 so in some points, I like felt bad for Christian, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess it's like a, maybe not felt bad, but like I had been in his shoes before. It's like where the where the hell did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> like out of nowhere. Yeah, and I guess that's a very scary thing. Is like these guys in any other part of life, if they hadn't gone to this festival, they would have just carried on being maybe apathetic, um, somewhat douchebags. But not like you said in the first. Oh, there's plenty of them in this country. Yeah. Let me tell you. As long as, as far as, and you said it in the first half of this pod, they're not necessarily evil. They're not evil people. They're not people with you know overarching evil ambitions to be mean to people it's just through their own self-involvement they're just they just it just comes they just end up being mean and they may kind of know they're doing it but they just it's just they just don't care it's just a lack of actual they're just care. selfish and naive yeah it's what it's like to be in your young 20s like you think you know everything but you don't know anything and like part of you knows that you don't know anything but like you have too much pride to that overshadows that. So it was like he did a really good job of writing those characters because I'm sure he was one of them at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, and to yeah to write As a film like this, to write a film like this, you have to have a lot of self reflection and and certainly um, it's not it's not painting anyone as it being completely right or completely wrong at any point. Certainly, uh, certainly the cult is not at all a right way to live either. But there's just it happens to be a fi- finally a place where Danny sees some care for her, whether they. They've got their certainly got their own um, ambition towards what Denny will bring to the cult um, or the Hagas as they are, um, but they also do at least show care for her and Pele. Just remembering her birthday, it's something that she's like, you know, not really. She's and she apologizes about De- Christian forgetting it. And uh, another significant part is when he when he gets reminded by Pele and then comes over and lies about why he remembered it was a birthday or didn't remember. Um, he's trying to light the candle on the cake and it's just not lighting. And it's just like, it's a, that, that to me was some important symbolism about, um, you know, well, of course, yeah. trying to light a spark that's just not there. And, uh, um, right. it, it's, uh, you know, this movie's just full of that, those little, those little bits of symbolism, which, um, I found the runes really interesting. Um, in the movie, I've tried to read up on them and I, I can never remember which ones they are. And cause it's just, it's, you know, to actually understand the runic alphabet of, ancient cultures would take a lot more study and that's why there's people that are very smart and get paid a lot of money to do that um but josh was trying yeah <laughs> trying too hard 
Um, <laughs> and and yeah, Josh in particular, you um, the his foot sticking up out of the ground and Christian's running around with his <laughs> yeah. with his uh, with his wang out, um, just trying to find trying to. I don't know if he's trying to escape or trying to. He just suddenly seems very. He's fully realized the gravity of the situation he's in. I think. But Josh's foot is sticking out of the ground and he notices it there and there's a rune on the foot that um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's I think it's, um, I might fuck up the pronunciation, but it's ansus, which means um, knowledge and communication. There's different ways you can interpret exactly what it means towards the English language because, you know, um, translations are never usually, you know, the way language works is never sometimes um, exact, but... Essentially, means knowledge and communication, and I think there's a very they they basically saying this guy died because he was um, trying too hard. I guess is it's just a symbolism about how how why he was killed was basically. Um, I mean, we've already said that these people were all going to die. Some of them were going to die anyway because they needed these sacrifices. But Josh's demise is certainly as much about his um, you know lust for um, information that was overarching his actual anthropological um morals which should be to understand culture without um infuriating it essentially true but also a ridiculous culture that he was studying so yeah yeah but uh, i think like again i he, think he, was he should, based know, in, he should like, know that when i mean there's the start of that movie the, the start when uh they mention when they go into bed and the guy's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do the Atastupan. I'm, I'm probably screwing that up as well. But Josh, no, his eyes light up. He's like, I know what's going to happen here. And he doesn't tell, yeah. and he doesn't tell the other guys. And Christian's like, what the fuck, man? Like, and, Dan- yeah. and Danny's just like, is it scary? And he just he kind of just smiles and goes to sleep. It's like he knows exactly what kind of culture he's studying. And, and he's still and – he, so he I don't it, know if he knew it to that extent, though. Like, well, if he knows that he's studying a culture that practices Atastupan, then – and and uses a mallet to beat the guy's head in when he doesn't die properly um, after jumping off the cliff. Then he should probably know that they're going to have differences of opinion of how <laughs> how to met out punishment for sneaking into a sacred room at night and taking photos. Um, he should. Who ended up killing him? Do you think? I actually don't know because it was I think it was I think it was Ulf that was wearing the mask of Mark who was already dead. Um, which we 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 I'm not sure if we explicitly mentioned, but he kind of does does just disappear where we don't see his death on screen um it's certainly foreshadowed when they're talking about playing skin the fool and he's, in, he's right. very much the fool and they and his his mask is his face is worn by another character but um yeah i don't actually i i don't think i've actually seen i think i've tried to watch it and it's just you just see the hammer swing and hit him in the head and then see the mark's face on another face looking down at him afterwards so yeah i'm not sure if that's meant to be in exactly important who swung the hammer it's just that he was dying because he was explicitly told he shouldn't be doing something and he went and did it anyway and we've, we can t- I, right. i'm not like big into understanding what different cultures think about photos and whatnot but there's certainly we've seen it in the past where um different cultures like the taking of photos is something that can be seen as you know stealing and sacred stealing sacred things and, and so and certainly their books were very sacred to them and very they didn't want people to know exactly what they... Yeah, even if they're not... Because they're absolute bullshit. <laughs> but, like... I can say that about a lot yeah. of sacred books. Um, but you just, like, yeah. he could have just, like, done, like, renderings of them and been fine. Yeah, and just if he's a good good study of anthropology, you've got to take what you can get and, and, and work it out from there. You don't, you don't go abusing the culture that you're studying, particularly in that, in that field is... Um, 
from how I understand it, you should be very respectful of culture while you're trying to get your and you know he should have known that because he seemed like he's very smart. I mean, certainly very driven in his career ideas. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, as he was because he was very mad with Christian when Christian just decided to jump on that idea as well. Because Josh was coming there from the start. He was his whole thesis was built around coming to places like this, whereas Christian just decided to do it then and there. And and you could yeah, see, and he could that see, was actually the thing that pissed me off the most about Christian, rather yeah. than anything Danny. And that's just because again, I give him yeah. a pass on the drug fueled sex romp, but. <laughs> uh, but like just just steal the dude's idea and just like i think he's like like josh is like i almost respect it like because you know exactly what you're doing Mm. and you're just like yeah so like that i found that really interesting like and it really made me dislike christian up until that point i was like this guy sucks but he's just stupid so but that made me be like oh this guy can be malicious yeah yeah well he's just he's just he never he just he's just opportunistic and jumps on things and isn't really sure of anything but if something looks good at the time he'll do it so maybe that's why you know you were talking about earlier about why these guys are even together as far as danny and christian goes and you know he might have just she might have just been that that thing at the time he was just really into her and and she was obviously um her character background seems to be someone who needs someone um which is um you know, it's not exactly healthy or anything, but she she might have seen Christian as a really he might have been presented in a really different way because you see him when he starts asking all the questions. He's very he's very uh, bubbly and and really forthcoming about trying to find out find things out. And that might have been how he was at the start of the relationship with Danny as well, and made her really into him. And then then his apathy started after he just decided he wasn't into it that much anymore. And it was they were already two or three years in. Um, they mentioned that it's about the last year that he's been wanting to break up with her. So it's like they might've had two and a half, yeah. two and a half good, two and a half to three good years. And then he got bored with it. And um, what you see when he, um, he's decided that he wants to study this, he's really bubbly about it and quite, quite open to chatting and very he's, he's kind of demeanor changes a little bit when he's doing that but it's like he's almost in the way that he's doing it he's almost rubbing it in josh's face as well it is like oh i'm gonna ask these questions too and you know yeah. yeah i think yeah that's what i took away from it is like and this is definitely not what i was planning on talking about but <laughs> like just him like acting so into it was like him like trying to lie to himself that like he like it was his idea to do this and he's into it like i don't think he was actually interested i think he was trying like kind of like convincing himself yeah 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 and that's it and it might might be what he was doing with danny at the start too because he was just a young younger college student you know all that stuff is um completely up to interpretation as to how they got together but yeah i find i yeah i find him yeah i'm obviously a little bit more uh uh um critical of his uh field sex romp as we're calling it now because um i certainly think that he well yeah no, i i don't think you deny that he um he knew what he was half doing but yeah it depends how, how much how much we put into the drugs influence and whatnot which was certainly part of it but i think all these things like the the um stealing the idea from josh uh the you know asking all, all these things just uh, uh pointers to different parts of his personality that show us why that he's he's just not Again, not an evil person, but not at this time of his life, not a nice person either. And I'm certainly, I, I was I was an idiot when I was 20. Um, he's a bit older than that in this movie, obviously. But, you know, in, in any other situation, he might have come out of it and, and shown some propensity for change. But unfortunately, in this situation, he uh, he doesn't get the chance because he's decided to show his, show his colors in a, in, a, in a reclusive cult situation, which... Um, 
when you don't do the right thing, you could you could end up dead. So <laughs> it's just show, it's kind of a it's, it's just show to um, you know potential consequences for not you know it's the worst consequence that you could have. But if you're a, if you have these personality traits, they can lead you down a path that um, isn't exactly doesn't exactly end up well for you. Which is um, you know it's a warning to people about how you treat people, I guess. True. Yeah. Um, how do you so? I guess we can talk about. I mean, there's a few things I. I, I watched a few different um, studies of the um, the film on you know just you know deep dive into the internet and someone pointed out the fact that the uh, the picture on his the picture on Christian's wall in his apartment is from a series by an artist called um uh, it's a artist born in Taiwan who's an American citizen now called Mu Pan I hope I'm pronouncing that right but he's got a series of he's got an art series called Dino Assholes. <laughs> and that, uh, that piece on Christian's wall is from an art series called Dino Assholes. You can look up Mupan on the internet and it's, you can find it in his listings of his artwork. Um, so, you know, he's a Dino Asshole. I guess that uh, is that what... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like... A, I'm sure he was just looking for art to put around and he's just finding little... Like, those are just little Easter egg things. But I certainly think Ari Aster is trying to say that this guy, whether or not you think he's truly evil or whatever he's he's an he's just an asshole i think is how he's trying to present christian is to wrap all that up it's just that he for better or worse he is an asshole at this time of his life and unfortunately just has the worst consequences for him yeah i think the artwork at the start is definitely um not just the the one that obviously tells the story but uh Mm -hmm. if you look at the uh at the bed frame when the parents are um, like, you think they're sleeping and she's leaving them a message mm-hmm. and there's a picture of her on the night stand. Um, and then there's a vase of fla- a vase of flowers behind it. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like she's right. So that's like some foreshadowing. And then there's, a, I was looking at it. <clears throat> she, um, Danny also had some art that is kind of foreshadowing of what's going to happen. That's an um, one I had, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you go with it. Um, no, I don't have all the details in uh, front of me. I just well, yeah, remember. She, she had a painting of like, it's like a big bear at the, the, it's a Swedish painting. Like the, I wasn't going to try the Swedish pronunciation, but the rough translation of what it's called is poor little bear. And it's like this big bear kind of with these doughy eyes looking down at a girl with a little crown on her, on her head. Um, and that's above Danny's bed um, in her apartment. So yeah, you have it's very deliberate placing of certain art art pieces, which you know, it just it any set design has got to have you know for a good movie has got to be really meticulous and just just looking right. But the pieces were particular to foreshadowing of the film because she's like looking got a little crown on and looking at this bear that looks a bit kind of just doughy eyed and sad maybe, but. Kind of, kind of half reflects what Christian looks like, and when he's just sitting there, um, well, he par- can't move, paralyzed in the bear <laughs> suit at the end of the film. So, yeah, it's um, it's brilliant. It, it's really brilliant how he he just does put these little nuggets in that um, isn't it's not going to change your perception of the film too much by because you you do kind of get the idea that they're going for when you watch the film in the end. But these little nuggets that do just point you um, more to the depth of the film and what they were looking for. If we're at the little nugget stage, I would like to bring up um, just one that kind of like, I know you, you've kind of like, and we talked off air, or maybe it was, I can't even remember anymore, but uh, <laughs> the like you kind of have some praise for the cult and their empathy and everything and how it is, you know, not as bad as it seems at first, but I think one gateway into like reminding the viewer of how shitty the cult is, is mm-hmm. like, 
and just like religion at large i think yeah <laughs> was like the guy like acting like everything was fine in there because he'd got like that honey stuff on his tongue and he's like when they're burning down the the sacrifice mm-hmm. and he's like he thinks he's going to be fine and no pain and whatever and then the fire gets so many turns on fire and he's just screaming in agony and it's yeah. like oh wait like that was all a lie this could all this is all a lie <laughs> like this like they just lied to you like, yeah, he's thinking that. he's gonna have yeah. this beautiful death kind of thing. Possibly, he's just smiling, and... sitting there like a moron. Yeah, because like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like when the fire gets to him, it's like, oh man, you gotta hope that the smoke gets you before that. But that was my only hope for Christian, because like while he wasn't a good dude, like he probably didn't deserve to burn a lot. Well, he couldn't feel anything either, though. So yeah, it'd still be terrifying. A, be a bad time <laughs> like... for bad time for the paralysis to start wearing off <laughs> right then and there, but. He, so he does. Run out of it, maybe. Yeah, he does. Just well, I wonder how you can run with the bear just sewed to you, or you half inside of it, but like the weight of the. Sure, it wasn't a big bear. Yeah. <laughs> fit, in a, fit in a cage, tiny cage, poor bear. Yeah, it's a bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the bear. Yeah, the set design of this movie was really great. I um. I watched the yeah. I was gonna bring that up as well. Yeah, I watched the beside. I'd watched it before, but I watched the behind the scenes. Uh, there's about a 25 minute one on the on the director's cut Blu-ray. There's not too much else to the disc at the moment, so I'm hoping they do like a a better like you know fully fledged like interviews and uh, director's commentary kind of release of the movie because I think it really warrants that for um, fans of the movie to get some more insight into it from the official channels. Um, but yeah, they they they. I think they actually filmed it in Hungary in the middle of summer, obviously. Um, yeah, they built it just for that. Yeah, obviously. yeah, and I mean, they, they got like the the production designer did a great job of like studying like traditional kind of Swedish murals and whatnot for because uh, from what I can gather, like all the murals that are inside the bunkhouse there are very very similar to what you see in um, that kind of scene in actual life in Sweden. They're just obviously twisted a little bit towards the uh, more creepy aspects of the um, hagas in the film, because obviously the um, it is all fictional as far as what happened there because they say, you know, actual Midsummer festivals are usually very happy festivals with no sacrifices and whatnot. And throughout history, they say that, that as far as most historians know, there hasn't Midsummer festivals aren't associated with that kind of a behavior, but the movie does just bring in the more uh, sinister sides of ancient Viking culture or whatever you want. So that brings up another question for yeah. me, which is they say like, oh, we only do this like every 90 years, I mm. think at some point. Like yeah. where like they go to like the lengths that they did that summer. Mm-hmm. Do we believe them, <laughs> or <laughs> how often are these people killing people? Because it seems like probably a lot. Yeah, I. That's what I. I that's one question I've always had about the movie is the every ninety years thing seems. Um, I guess that just means that people are. I I have been wondering about that a lot because I still don't have so an every exact ninety thought. years. None of those people were alive ninety years. Yeah, ago so when know, like so how would they know? Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, maybe it's every ninety years they actually bring in outside bloodlines in, maybe, and because then there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> there's not that because but then because the, the seasons are going to keep happening for uh, for the people in within those ninety years. Obviously, people are still going to have to do the Addis Tupan and and kill themselves at 72 and whatnot so yeah i maybe they maybe they do it more often and it's just like they tell these 
that's how they bring them in is that every 90 years we do this so you're going to be part of something really They're special. straight up gaslighting and yeah. lying to them. Yeah, to which, gas- which gaslighting is a big part of the film. So, And there's certainly exactly. deception from the Hagas, um, which is why I have I have praise for them in the sense that I understand like from the, the storytelling perspective, I can see why Denny is uh, lulled into... And, you know, they, they do care for her in their way but they all are also very cunning and the only reason they're caring for denny is to get what they want out of her and the only reason which is what which is her being part of them and and being part of their bloodlines and 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 willingly sacrifice possibly to willingly sacrifice christian too you know she makes a choice at the end but they they've led her to that choice as well because they could have tackled her and stopped her seeing Christian in that weird sex romp. Like they could have stopped her. No, they wanted her to see him. Yeah, they the said. They said. They said you should to turn her against exactly. him. Exactly. So she would be the main. But they made it sound like they didn't want her to see it. Is my point. They said, "Oh, you shouldn't go." Yeah, off. they're fucking psychos. Yeah, like, they're, like <laughs> they're they're bad people. Yeah. And this is like I loved it. I love the movie, but this is and I don't consider this a horror movie or like a scary movie or anything like that. Um. I'm so desensitized to, like, the extreme, like, uh, gore of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, yeah, whatever. But I forgot my point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the whole point. This is why I don't like, like, kind of, like, movies that, like, delve outside of reality so far. Like, where there might be, like... Like I know there's drug use and that is, that's based in reality, but like there's some weird spirits going on at, in it and stuff like that, and like maybe some sort of time travel. Still dealing with that in my brain, I, <laughs> I swear. But there's some weird elements to it, and obviously there's a, some weird elements to it. There's a cult that's like crazy, and like in my head when I'm there and I'm just like I'm watching it and I'm seeing these cult people. It's like why can't you just be normal? <laughs> why does it have to be this way it doesn't make any sense like like i don't know that's like that's the one thing that i have with like movies like this where i'm just like and i i just can't suspend disbelief yeah i guess, like, I guess that's I where i'm like it's so frustrating I because, love it does, because it brings in the real world and takes it to a world that's like hopefully doesn't exist but there's probably some weird cold out there killing people i mean like definitely that's happening that we don't know about yeah and i guess that's why it's such a powerful movie in that sense is it does it does challenge us to, to think about um you know getting out of our comfort zone because we are like and especially uh, i guess they show that really well at the start of the movie with the cold wintry normal college town in the middle of winter i guess um and then obviously a few months later they go for a midsummer festival but um it does challenge us to think about you know, and think about these surreal parts of the world that could exist or may may not exist, but probably existed at some point or another. I mean, we know that that um, particular you've you've mentioned the blood, blood eagle already, but the character that gets um, splayed open and hung in hung in a chicken Simon Simon yeah so hung in a chicken coop um, essentially with his lungs pulled out of his body but still breathing or at least inhaling air, um, which is a apparently an ancient Viking. Um, torture ritual. Um, which how you figure out how to do that without the medical textbooks we have now is uh, a marvel. And they, they, I watched a watched a thing about that in particular to get it, get some head around my head around it. And um, 
they say they're not there's no evidence as to whether it ever worked for them or not but there's certainly evidence that they tried it um which is just um, yeah. sinister in itself which shows the uh the truly evil nature of the cult in that sense that they have this knowledge of how to do this thing and at least in the movie they make it happen um and then we can we can i mean we can say whether or not the, it was just christian's uh drug-induced um psychosis that saw that made him see the lungs breathing while they're hanging outside of the guy's body but that's true but then but they, it, i mean it was designed to do that yeah to, like keep them alive as long as possible but yeah. like again i don't know what like simon would have done to warrant like that bad of a death and granted we don't know how mark I mean, maybe they, mark was i mean they were skinned you- a lot they were they were yelling like as the guys were jumping off the cliff saying this is this is like they were completely insulting the if you again uh, I I don't want to you know I'm not praising that I'm just putting myself in the shoes shoes of the cult to see what they might have seen it's just straight up insulting them by saying this is crazy this is stupid you're just killing people like they're jumping off we just saw that this is this is crazy you're in, you're insane like you know stuff like that was coming out of their mouths you don't have to kill somebody for that. <laughs> <laughs> But from their point of view, they're like, and again, they're yeah, they're, they're fucked up. Their ritual required sacrifice, so you know these guys were going to die anyway. So I is my belief, like it, there's symbolism in their deaths, uh, particularly Mark and Josh, because of showing to show the divide between them and and the Hagas as far as their their connection to each other versus these guys being completely, although coming together, being completely dis- disconnected from each other in the sense of empathy and whatnot, but. So that's why I think the deaths happened the way they were to give us a symbol, certain symbolism. But I think they were just going to be sacrificed anyway. At the end of the day, there was going to be four, well, four out, four outsiders needed to be sacrificed for their, what their warped beliefs as they are. Um, they, that's what they believe needed to happen. So it was going to happen either way. Is my technically five outsiders, but yeah, yes, yeah. Well, one of them was a choice, um. <laughs> right. <laughs> A choice, a choice that that was that, that they made sure that she would make. Yeah. So was it really a choice? Mm. Yeah. But. Um. Yeah, it's kind of like a choice in um, politics sometimes. <laughs> um, Let's not get into that right yeah. now. But yeah, the, yeah are I mean, is that cult allowed to vote in Swedish politics? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't see a ballot box in the in the field there. Um. Maybe it got burnt along with everything else at the end there. That, I don't know if you... You probably never watched the show Metalocalypse, but one of the guys in uh, Death Clock, the band in Metalocalypse, is Swedish, and he has, like, super, like, religious Swedish parents who kind of, like... Like, when they go back to Sweden, it kind of looks like that. So there is, like, this, like... And again, I'm basing all of this off of that cartoon, but <laughs> there is like this weird, like almost like occultish vibe when it comes to like old Sweden, like mm-hmm. way back. I think it's, and it's all the Nordic countries because it does get so cold there all the time. And it is nighttime and or it is daytime in the night sometimes. So there's just like this like weird kind of like, I don't know. Like there's Nor- Norwegian black metal, so like that whole th- it's just it's just interesting that whole area just like lends itself to a movie like this, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's what I mean. They they approached Ari Aster to make a film. Whether this is what they're asking for, but they got something better than probably just what a. a I'm guaranteeing they like what they got more than whatever they had in mind. Yeah, yeah, um, and it certainly it's. <laughs> Strangely enough, it makes you, you don't want to go to that festival, certainly, but 
a midsummer like I've actually looked like when you look at actual midsummer festivals, they look great. Sounds dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than this, yeah, I want to go if they like can give me one of those cloud desks that uh, I don't know the dude's name. What Oof? You called him? No, that you mean the the Oracle person. Yeah, I feel like Pele is the Oracle kind of, but yeah. No, well. Pele is a, uh, a Pied Piper, I guess. A very yeah, yeah, power hungry. Yeah, Piper. but I think he can see the real world more than the uh, the Oracle. Yeah, yeah. Well, the or- the Oracle is just what is it? What is it? They, they the Oracle is a product of inbreeding in the movie. That's why it's uh, right, and they yeah. do that on purpose. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're insane. Yeah, <laughs> like you're an insane bullet. <laughs> like you can't see. He can't speak, so he sees the world more pure. It's like what? <laughs> he can't speak because he can't understand <laughs> whatever <laughs> hey maybe they, hey maybe I think i'm not criti- critiquing anything i'm just saying like maybe not the best way to do it but maybe i mean well i think that's that's what Ari the english said. royal family has been doing it for centuries <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, that's what his crit- his criticism from the filmmaking perspective was and i think i mentioned it earlier in the pod that he he talks about the insu- insular nature of some of these societies that have their historical insular nature and exclusive the exclusivity that they um that they hope for um which again i think it was mentioned in one of the the interviews he had was he was criticizing the um modern movement of the far right in sweden and places like that 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 is comes from a somewhat you know from the people that think that way comes from a historical context that they believe that they should get back to that um and this cult is essentially his kind of he's he's infused some of that into that is that they they believe certain things like that and uh, and so it certainly Aster's not himself isn't right isn't it's like a isn't microcosm being, of Swedish culture yeah exactly and he's saying that this is not like he's and not there's saying good parts it. of Swedish culture yeah. as well he just that he, he just puts a breakup movie into it and shows that there's also parts of our culture that is not not exactly um positive to how how we deal with um deal with our own friendships and relationships with people that um isn't is toxic in how we use our culture to you know to communicate with people i guess as well um so it's all it's like it's what he the great thing he does with his movies is the the couple that we've seen so far and um i've heard i haven't seen his short films i've heard things about them um they're equally as twisted um i think one of his college ones was uh something to do with possibly it was like the, the son father um, bad relationship uh, is the way I could put it, but it was flipped to the son abusing the father apparently or something like that. He's got a twisted. He mind. is only two years older than me. <laughs> I don't. I don't accept this. <laughs> um, but he's um, he infuses so much more into it and and what he wants is us to be disturbed and not exactly sure how to think about these things, which is why we've had a two and a, uh, an hour and a half discussion so far about the Christian Denny dynamic and who was, you know, we've certainly, we certainly believe that Christian was wrong, but it doesn't mean that we believe that he deserved to die at the end of the movie. But with the way we see relationships end, um, you know, in popular culture, it's a romantic comedy trope that the women sit around um, often and burn the guy's belongings in a, in a box. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's a very ritualistic thing that, you know, is in Western culture. It's and it's, you know, it's just a, it's a catharsis in a way because we all have our ways of dealing with things. But he put, he infuses that into the movie with having the actual boyfriend get burnt in a building at the end of the movie. 
and you can say that there's a he's critiquing you know there's we relate the way people deal with the relationship a relationship ending is often never exactly healthy it's just you find a way to deal with it and get through it um and you know that's just the the extreme of it there is just the fact that he gets burnt in the building at the end instead instead of just a photo of him <laughs> yeah Shay's just deep in thought yeah i just <laughs> i like I just looked up uh, Ari Aster's Wikipedia and just so much like blew my mind that he's 33 and not like he's American that like, I don't know. No, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's very, he's, and he's quite a personable guy to get heard, um, be heard interviewed. Um, and the guys in the, he looks like he's 12. <laughs> like what the hell? He looks like a, like very, like, he doesn't look like he's capable. He looks like a paper boy. Like, he doesn't look like he's capable of this. Like, horrifying stuff but yeah no apparently he's um he's incredibly his film knowledge is quite obviously quite deep he's you know, he's come through film school and all that kind of thing and and you know plenty of people come through film school without having this kind of mind he's just one of those special cases of someone who's got a really great understanding of film and and film history and knows how to subvert the norms a little bit with particularly these two films um there's even a couple of touch like he's a Big fan. He's a big Kubrick fan, and um, the blanket that Danny has in the in the bunkhouse is the. If you look at the pattern of it, is the same as the sh- shining carpet, basically. And even the shot when they're walking into walking into the uh, compound, I guess you could say, is very reminiscent of the um, driving shot at the start of the Shining as well. So, yeah, there's a few. He's he's very he's incredibly incredibly astute filmmaker, and being having the confidence to do what he's doing as well as. Um, has the knowledge to uh, pay homage while he's while he's making a new kind of um, a new thoroughfare into the horror the horror and filmmaking as a whole as well. It's quite impressive. Very impressive, yeah. to say the least. Uh, it just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> anyway, the whole reason I was talking about that before I went to the Wikipedia was um, the Oracle's Cloud. Mm-hmm. I, give me that. Let me have that. How do I? <laughs> it looks very. It, I want to be doing this podcast from that right now. It always strikes me as a little out of place too, because it's just like the. It's extremely yeah. out of place. It makes no sense. Yeah, and which is part of like a lot of the movie just throws stuff like that at you to just disorientate you again. I think like I mean, but they're psycho enough that like they view the oracle as like above the clouds. So he's mm-hmm. literally sitting above the clouds. I believe he's like the field. But he's sitting above the clouds painting with a claw hand and a paint bucket. So it's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> he uh And where was that? Where was the cloud desk? I don't where know. That's the thing. Out? I was just like, where did they pull the cloud the cloud desk from? Like and yeah, it is very well, much. They have a they have a VHS copy of Austin Power somewhere too. <laughs> so I, there's there must be like a party bungalow somewhere on the, <laughs> somewhere on the campgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> The movie is just designed to just keep throwing different things at you to disorientate the viewer too, which is really, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact the whole thing takes place in sunlight, which is a complete subversion of what like, you know, everything that's happening that's creepy is almost always happening in, um, during the daylight. It's very, yeah, and yeah, it's very beautiful. Like there's not a cloud in the sky the whole time. Yeah. But which was interesting really to go, makes... see, go see at night because me and Andrea walked out of the cinema at like, yeah, uh, probably ten, eleven p.m. and there's it's just and you've just been assaulted by sunlight for two and a half hours basically. Yeah, and I think that makes the Josh scene when he sneaks in even more like 
I don't know, like devious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, cause it's like, it looks like it's dusk yeah. rather than like the black of midnight. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? You're obviously going to get caught. It's still light out. Like, yeah. this isn't like midnight, even though it is like midnight there probably. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they even say at the start of the movie when, when Danny has a um, panic attack, when they, she has the uh, mushroom tea. And she, they find her, and she's like, "Oh, is it tomorrow?" And he's like, "Oh, from today's, from yesterday's perspective, yeah." <laughs> no, and and she a very a- mushroomy out there. Yeah, and she asks if it got dark at all, and he, and he says, "Ah, oh, you know, for a couple of hours, it kind of got a little dark, darker, but not really." And um, it'd be about the trip itself. Yeah, hey. <laughs> but um, I again forgot what I was gonna say. My brain's being like bubbled by this conversation. Yeah, I think I and I always knew. I I said to you off air before you started the pod. I was like, this is just going to be an open conversation because structuring it would just. It's hard to because you just you end up bouncing between so many things when you're talking about this movie. Like when you talk about the, the contrast between Denny crying at the start and the end of the movie is one conversation because even though it's two different times of the movie, but. Um, oh, this is what I was going to bring up. Is like when they're when they get there the first day and they're just tripping in the meadow with like all mm-hmm. those random people. Those random people aren't like cult members, right? They're just like random Swedes, like having th- a good time. I think there's some cult members there because they're all they're all slowly arriving back to the compound, but they're like it's like a welcome. It seems like it's like a welcome. But there's not that many of them. No, no, there's not. I think it's and they're the, all wearing normal clothes. And also, the but gu- so is Pele. The guy uh, Pele says, I think he does say, this is all the other young people returning. So it's just the young people returning, uh, basically. Okay. Yeah, he says that at some point because then he goes and introduces the guys to the other friend that's brought back Connie and Simon as well. So I think that's the whole idea of it. It's real. It does seem. I kind of just it's one of those things that you just accept. Oh, this is what they do. They get high in a meadow before they go back to properly. <laughs> It's a welcoming back thing for the young people, I think. Is how I answer. And how fucked up their childhoods were. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, just take some shrooms because yeah. Bad it's very. Idea. It's a great way of it just introducing you to what is going to be the rest of the movie. That is just going to be a trip. You know the the when Danny's sitting there and kind of breathing and and you know Pele's kind of saying you can see the earth breathing and the trees breathing and and she's seeing the grass through her hand and you can look get the view of the tree and you can kind of just see that the currents of like like almost river current running up the trunk and you kind of get okay we're going to be we're not going to be exactly sure what's real for the rest of the movie is kind of like which is a great way of just again great filmmaking great and certainly just the aesthetic of the film is quite beautiful as well and and uh, and one of those moments I, I told you before you watched, I said there, there's a bit of comedy in there. It's just the way it's written. It's just like Mark's sitting there, like <laughs> you said, like Mark is you know a, a typical trip. You know, he's just sitting there, like I don't like new people. <laughs> yeah, no new people. <laughs> and just like I'm laying down. Can everyone lay down, please? <laughs> it's like, and I was telling you, like guys, it feels so good. <laughs> This is another little nugget of just like I think this movie portrayed like psychedelics better than any film I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like in how like because so many films like in TV shows especially like overdo it so much. I remember like growing up thinking like smoking weed was like you're gonna see like colors and you're like world's gonna change. <laughs> and that's like not even like mushrooms or LSD really unless you take a bunch. And so like this did it like perfectly where like everything's almost normal but something's off yeah and like 
I think at the May Queen dinner, when she sits down and, like, the head's moving and stuff, I think that was, like, some... And the trees are kind of, like... I think that's some of the most, like, realistic, like, psychedelic scenes I've ever seen. So that was, like... Yeah. Clearly a guy who's done it before and knows what he was looking for in it. Because it doesn't, like... Like, the sky isn't, like, purple. And your friend's face isn't green. Like... (laughs) Just things are like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand what you mean. I completely understand what you mean. It's like, you don't want to over, like there's so many, particularly comedies do, and that's comedy, what comedies um do is like they overdo tropes to make it funny. Um, but he's perfectly done, like, because if you're not look if you're not watching the film properly, you won't notice. Like it's only when you're actually completely focused on the screen, like when she's got that flower crown on, there's that purple one that just keeps pulsing. <laughs> it's yeah. just so like and it's and it's beautiful in a way you just want to keep watching it like it's kind of like it's very it's like some visual asmr or whatever like you know it's just like you're watching it it's just comfort like it's weirdly like quite calming to watch that flower just pulse and the music in the background is um the score is really great too like obviously um with a great film like this the score is always gonna they, they're always gonna run find the right person to do a brilliant score but everything that's happening is just so incredibly calming in a weird way, which even though you know there's something horrible coming, because it's all, you know, this film is always building towards an end, but it's going to be, you know, particularly if you had seen Hereditary beforehand, you knew that he had a... Um, well, you knew it wasn't going to go well. Yeah. Um, you knew that there was, he has a knack for making an ending that is uh, weirdly, it feels right. And you're not... I wasn't unhappy when I walked out of this movie, which is weird. And I wasn't unhappy after Hereditary either, which is weird but we, we'll talk about hereditary another time but we can just talk about the ending properly now um the decision we've already talked about the fact that she was kind of influenced towards the decision but she was left to make the decision to uh, sac- basically the end of the movie is that they've got the fo- they've got the four sacrifices of the outsiders and there's going to be four sacrifices of people in the village two have already died the atastupan jumping off the cliff um head first preferably but some go feet first for some stupid reason um Lady then, did the belly flop, which would kill you. Yeah, Give, I think yeah. the legs first. For, legs first would have killed him too. I think like his like tibia would have like shot into like his heart. Or yeah, something. I mean, <laughs> a, yeah, that is not a short jump. Well, it would have killed. He, he would have died eventually. He was in, in tremendous pain, and um, yeah, wor- yeah, worst decision which, of all time. Yeah, which shows the first time is it one of our first examples of how the Hagas, um have that like shared empathy thing that I've been talking about because they're all they all start wailing out in pain and whatnot and um this happens again yeah but they don't rush over to kill the guy either yeah <laughs> so well they, you know <laughs> one guy calmly amongst all the rest of it says give me the fucking hammer I'll deal with this shit like <laughs> this dumbass didn't jump down right yeah. god damn it it's good thing someone <laughs> it's good thing someone came prepared <laughs> and then three people have to do it well I mean they just need one but for some reason three people do it I'm sure it's some stupid rule they have. <laughs> look, <laughs> I look. I used to t- I I used to remember take, having to take communion, and I could have just grabbed the cup and drink the wine them myself. But for some reason, they just have to fucking. That's hold fair. It up. So you know, it, rituals are weird. Um, but you know, it's that first example of the hug is like that shit. Like one of the major examples of when they all share and like whatever emotion is going on for someone of pain, happiness, whatever. Um, they they share it and they're wailing and crying and there's all this shouting and and they talk about how they raise they all raise the children together which is kind of part of that too. yeah there's they no there's no everything tip, together yeah there's no typical fa- everyone's the mother and the father and there's no one that's ac- actually particularly the parent yeah 
And, you know, Denny, there's a scene, um, you know, just briefly touching on that, where Denny's sitting at a table and she's kind of being friendly with the baby in the chat. And you can already see they're, they're bringing her into that kind of that realm. Um, that's just a minor scene. But it just it's just, again, like we talked about with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last week, it's all these little details that just wrap you up in the world more. And I, Right. Yeah. But the ending, um, yeah, obviously she's influenced towards... Um, and the other thing is, like, she's obviously influenced towards Christian sacrificing him because that last the last scene of the last time she saw him was him banging the broad um in the with surrounded by 12 other broads um and she's just finally just like this is done and but and the oracle yeah the oracle's there for some reason just in his bed it's like can you guys please just like get out of my room with this shit again (laughs) (laughs) i'm sick of waking up to fucking ritualistic sex every goddamn day (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna paint about it. Give me my glove. <laughs> it might be an actual, a pretty, a pretty. Um, just needs a red bucket for the for that painting. But <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, look, the relationship's over, and um, she's been asked to the the. You've got the four outsiders for uh, for group the members and there's two guys that are just for some reason you've touched on it already that they've been lied to about how the sacrifice is going to go for them um so they're they're happily wandering forward going yeah sure i'll walk into a house and get burned alive because they think it's going to go differently to how it's going to go um well it's also that and the other guy who's going up against christian to get he almost wants to get picked because like for some reason like that like well they they must believe ascends you but like he also seems relieved when he's not picked too so it's like yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure in the, all these things, there's a lot of uh, conflict in mind about what you want because it's like, well, this field is pretty fucking fun in the middle of summer, but I also like the idea of ascending to where whatever plane they go to um, in their belief system. Um, Gonna have to jump off a goddamn cliff someday anyway. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, might as well go get burnt alive with a you know inside a yellow yellow house, which is. Um, yeah, very that that house always he films that so wonderfully that or house, t- um, yeah. I sent that whatever. to you. I said Wes Anderson shot. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> like the, the first time you see it. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the decision is up to Danny that she either the the ninth the ninth person to be sacrificed either has to be someone from the community or the outsider. She has a choice, um, and she obviously picks Christian, who is sitting there paralyzed from all the drugs that they've forced into him at this point. Um, so he can't he can't react either way, but you can see it in his eyes. It's um great act. Jack Rain is really great in this movie as well. Um, Florence Pugh still steals the movie and should have been nominated for an Oscar for it. I feel, but um, Jack Rayner and everyone else in the movie is equally great in what they do. Um, you can see it in his eyes. He knows exactly what's happening. He just can't express it um, with physical function, but you can see it in his eyes. He's just, he just knows what's going to happen, and he might have known once once he. W- got out of the sex comb sex psychosis that he was in that shit was about to go get get real bad um but yeah this movie ends with her doing the um metaphorical burning of the boyfriend's items except she just threw the boyfriend in the in the box instead and like i said you walk out of the movie and you're not exactly it's a conflict of emotions because i never i there's a lot of horror movies that you're watching you're like geez i was fucked up and this this movie is puts you in a weird mindset which like you said earlier like you it's on your mind for a long time it sticks with you it crawls under your skin because you don't think he deserves that but you know he's not a good guy and it's just it's really it's fucked up 
Yeah, I just don't. I didn't leave it like feeling good for Danny, even though she smiled. I just oh, feel, same, feel like same she here. She went yeah. from one fucked up situation to another, you yeah. know. So it it. I don't consider it like I'm happy for her, I guess, but I, but it's insane. Like she was just crying, like like she like gaslights herself at the end of it. Of like, well, I guess this is my life now. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing I was gonna. I've got it last thing in my notes is that. The end of this movie leaves you up to a lot of different interpretations about how Denny's life is going to go. Obviously, I think she just stays with him, but then she's oh, just, she's sure, just yeah. going from one kind of abusive abusive relationship to another. Maybe they're not as outwardly abusive, but they they're just so they're just better at gaslighting than Christian is. <laughs> or just one situation where they're using you from to another. Because Pele Pele seems sweet, and he's like, "Have you ever? Do you know ever what it's like to be held? Does Christian does Christian hold you?" And so she Yeah, but he's also a psychopath. He exactly. brought his friends. Well, that's what I'm saying. Slaughter. He's just he's just gaslighting her in a different way by saying, "Well, he's an asshole, but look at me being all sweet bringing you a birthday drawing and stuff like that." Like I fucking it annoys me guys like that too cuz I could never draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous of that too. Yeah. Um, Two Pele questions. One. No, he's not the best footballer of his parents plan, in no. the first place and were they part of the cult? Yeah, I I wondered about that too. Did they were they burnt alive in that house at some point? Like different As sacrifices. Yeah, sacrifices. Or, yeah, because he he just says that my parents burnt, and like I'm like, there's got to be. But he's not affected by it in any capacity. Yeah, because he was held because like, oh, the Hargis because the Hargis took care of me. I had a family to take care of me, and I'm like, there's got to be some significance to him saying they burnt alive specifically, rather than just oh it was a car accident or something like that. Like, yeah. Secondly, how does he get into American college? <laughs> if that was his schooling before, they're sitting in a field like learning how to like knit bear's teeth together or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what they're doing in those circles, but they're like they're sitting in a field not learning like pre-calculus. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, there is there is that uh, discussion as to. Yeah, what the fuck is their schooling like? I I believe that this this area that they have this little ceremony and stuff is not actually where they live all the time. Like, I feel like they have other they maybe they do experience some outside culture and schooling and stuff. But I've only come to that by having that same thought. Like, how did this guy get there? Because otherwise, if you just if you are so insularly homeschooled via this cult, then there's no way you're getting into a Certainly a master's program, like of sorts. Right. He, I assume he was in the similar schooling that the other three were, uh, which is why that. Unless was... he was in art school. <laughs> all you have to, I, I'm not kidding. Like all you he's, have to I do mean, is he's... submit a portfolio. Yeah, I mean he was. Yeah, he's obviously very good at drawing, and the the, the mural at the start of the movie that it opens with shows him in the tree drawing as Christian and Denny are fucking not being good to each other again. Um, yeah, I mean that's a possibility. But yeah, I have cert- I have certainly thought about it. Like, how is it? How has this guy gotten ingrained into the culture over there? Particularly being able to fund himself, and I'm, and then it brings opens up all sorts of questions about how does this cult pay for things? And um, you know, they've obviously got to fund themselves somehow to get certain certain things because I'm sure they're not living off the land. I assume there's some sort of farming involved. Yeah, and they've got a truck. Like they've got things, and they do not. Like I said at, the, at some point in the pod, they're not completely insular from outside society from the looks of it. So. I feel like they live yeah. there all the time, though, because, like, Pele was talking about that 
in that room where like everybody lives from zero to 16 or whatever that's true yeah yeah like they all sleep like i said i bounced my thoughts are bounced around on this that much that i'm not even sure what reality i'm living in anymore so yeah, yeah. the brain yeah. bubbler yeah but yeah the end of the movie um yeah it leaves you leaves you thinking which is why we're talking about this um on podcast for almost two hours now is um yeah i yeah i i certainly believe that yeah denny's not gone you know there's a certain catharsis in the end of her relationship but then she's just gone into another situation that and she might live a happy life there because she's just accepting of what it is but it doesn't mean it's right is what i'm trying to get to i guess because she might live and end up doing the Addis Tupan at 72 and have and be happy in her sense, but that might be because she's... Still think that woman was her in some capacity. Not her per se, but there's something weird going on there. Of like, she had an inner connection with that woman. Oh, the one that was I jumping. Think it, yeah. I think yeah. you texted me that and I said, I was like, maybe it was just a trip thing too that she thought she was looking at her. Like, because it, it was all shot from Danny's perspective. So, yeah. I he looks say- like an older version of Danny too. The whole yeah. time, I think. Yeah, a little taller though, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to, yeah, comparing someone that's like you know low, early twenties to a seventy-two year old, I guess is yeah, it's hard to find. But yeah, I um, yeah, I feel like Denny might end up, is going to end up there for the rest of her life, and she might live actually a happy life there, but it doesn't mean it's right still. Which is what the conflict that the movie presents us is like if you accept something that makes makes you happy but then it's not like it's fundamentally right anyway is a is a, a curious place to be mentally um especially as us as the viewer like she might just be happy where she is she's just and she's going to be that mentally fucked up after all that shit that's happened in the last six months of her life yeah it's like stockholm syndrome and not just because it's in sweden boom but like <laughs> it is like she they like broke her yeah and now, like, she has no other choice but to, like, be there. And yeah, that's what they wanted. She's got so no... they're the people who got what they wanted. And Danny, like, in the end thinks she did. But she just got broken and then built back up by psychopaths. Yeah. Because, yeah, family's dead. Her boyfriend's burnt alive by her choice. And um, uh, so all her support systems are gone. And they're the only support system she has. So she's obviously, I think it's obvious that she ends up staying there. But... Yeah, well, that doesn't make it doesn't make well, who they are and what they are right, but it's um, certainly and that adds to the complexity of the film because it doesn't make anything that Christian and his friends that were so self-involved were doing right either. But you know, doesn't mean they deserve to die. I do think there's two awesome decisions that Ari made. One, them not showing her pick between Christian and the other guy. Yeah. And then just flashing to Christian and the bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you have to laugh at how fucked up it is. And then two, there's like no words spoken um, the last 15 minutes of the film, probably, mm. which I think is always really like kind of powerful. It's kind of like the last of the Mohicans where it's, you're just like, whoa. Yeah. It's like no one's telling you what to feel. You're just in it. You got to. Yeah. So yeah, my, I think that's, that's really that's powerful. Masterful filmmaking too. Cause yeah, I mean, we talked about it with um, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well, like how powerful it was just to live live in the moment rather than have it be told to you. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of writers that consider themselves great writers do talk about how the hardest thing to do is to provide the story and exposition and whatever else without you know explicitly telling you. And um, yeah, just being out of his, 
it's a you know it's a moment of Ariaster appreciation for such a young writer and director who has only just done two films. He's done two of the more um, famous films in the horror because I mean Midsummer isn't explicitly horror, but it does one of its main genres is horror in the sense of what it is, and it's made a lot of top ten lists for horror movies. I think Fangoria, which is the great horror magazine publication that's been around for decades, um, that was the audience audience choice for last year from from fan voting. Um, was Midsummer was their favorite movie, and I think it cleaned up a bunch of act, actress ones and whatnot. It's just a fan voted thing for Fangoria fans, but for the horror community to get behind it that much shows how important it is there. But just as a even broader from that is just such a masterful filmmaking. Hereditary at the same time was just so, so masterful and it shows how confident he is in his own vision and voice as a writer and filmmaker that he, you know, young young writers and filmmakers can play it safe. Hereditary as a debut film was not playing it safe at all. That was that was trying yeah. that was trying to hit a home run at, at your first at bat in the majors and at your first swing. Or just not caring. Yeah. Like trying like just wanting to do your exact Well that's what I mean. Thing. Like it, it's it's his confidence. He knows who he is as a filmmaker and a writer and a creator and it's just it's really impressive to see that especially they often talk about, you know, your your follow-up film sometimes is the, is more important than your first one because it shows whether or not it was. Oh, absolutely. Once off I mean, that goes to sports too. Yeah. Sophomore slump. It's a real thing. Like yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. It shows that you can maintain greatness yeah. and have more than one project in you. I mean, it goes for literature as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, did you have anything else on it, or? I'm sure I've forgotten some stuff. I, I want to sure talk about. Did. I'm sure we could honestly. Do, I'm sure we could honestly do this for four hours. <laughs> Cause yeah. and still not get to it because it is just around a constant chasing your tail thing with like um how how to interpret the film because you, you even some of the questions you've raised to me today that we hadn't talked about yet and it made me just you know pause for a second and think about it from a different angle and and again like like we said once upon a time in Hollywood last week we, we could revisit this in ten years and have a completely different because it is certainly I think what it does just as a, a, a last note that I had thought of it does it, um. And I've talked about this with you with movies that I've been watching recently with the amount of time I've had that I've revisited it after 10 years of not seeing it. Um, your, your time in life when you, view, when you watch a film can sometimes um, inform how you interpret it. And then if you watch it back 10 years later, it'll be a different film to you or your life experiences inform how you, how you in, ingest it. So it's just, and this is certainly one of those movies that anyone that's been through relationships and, um, and lived as a mid, mid to late 20 year old and early 20s and just gone through that stage of life is um is certainly um it's going to hit hit all of us in the feels in different ways so it is it is something that i i can't recommend enough this movie um horror fan or not i guess because it's not like as i've said it's not strictly horror um it's certainly a big one in the community but yeah it's uh something that should be experienced by all people and is why i i I kept on telling you that florence should have been nominated for an oscar because it's one of those movies that I'd love to see break that ground a little bit more because there's a lot of, a lot of uh, high, high, high arching horror that's really um, breaking the mold of what the traditions of the of the um, the genre is. I guess. I don't know you. I know you enjoy some horror as well, so I know it's not like. Yeah. I don't mind it. It's yeah. just like I don't like. I don't like all the questions it brings up. With like, I just like more like real life fiction better. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this was definitely worth a go, and yeah. uh, I mean, it didn't scare me by any means. So <laughs> it's more just yeah, it just that makes you ask questions, which is like more ones that are based in what you're 
things that you already probably think about anyway, but it just makes you think about it more, I think, sometimes. And it certainly just has some great set pieces too. As any movie like this does, it it asks some tough questions and, and but then also gives you some payoff with some of the set pieces as well, which is really great. So cannot recommend it enough. Um, so yeah, I'll do what I did last week, raise my pint, which is actually just a, a stubby of beer because I d- didn't think to put it in a pint glass for the Pints and Popcorn podcast because, you know, prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, until next time, we'll uh, pour some pints. Pop some corn, roll some film. <laughs> Catch you next time, Shay. He draws, and we, the Shay, interpret it. You see, David, he's unclouded by normal cognition. <laughs> it makes him open for the source. <laughs>